last week we talked about how the Edmonton Oilers managed to turn their season around with a pair of generational talents. As for the LA Kings, they started off the season red hot. No McDavid, no Dreisaitl, but a lot of talent nonetheless. And Cam Talbot is an all-star. Everything is going the Kings way until it wasn't. And after a disastrous month of January, there is a realistic chance heading into the all-star break the LA Kings could be out of a playoff spot. What can they do to help turn their season around? Episode 397 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time. To lace them up, here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Juba. Thanks to a 2-7-5 record in January, Brett, the LA Kings are in dire straits. Yeah, they were actually, it's funny because I was just looking at their schedule and I was trying to see when did it actually start. Um, I mean, they did have a losing streak in December 28th that spanned till January 13th. Um, which was an eight-game losing streak, but um, but yeah, they still had like a three-game losing streak in December as well. So they were like they had eight wins, but then they had eighteen losses if you combine December and January together, which is yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird because we're doing like like last week we talked about the Oilers um, and their winning ways and uh, turning their season around. Now we're talking about a team that uh, did the exact opposite, where they were so hot at the beginning of the year, and now uh, they might not even make the playoffs. Uh, they're fourth in the Pacific, the LA Kings. Uh, they're 22 and 15 and 10. I guess it's still possible that they make the playoffs, but it seems unlikely. Obviously, if they continue to lose, they're not going to make the playoffs. But um, but yeah, they are not doing so hot. Um, and, um, and, yeah, even the Oilers have surpassed them in the standings in the Pacific Division. So, you, you know, um, Space also, It should be noted the Oilers are now five points ahead of the Kings, and they actually have two games in hand on the Kings as well. That's yeah. how hot the Oilers have been and how ice cold the Kings have been. Do you know, this is going to be a weird analogy, but just mm. bear with me. Um okay. You know in uh, Space Jam when the aliens took the NBA players' talent level and they started to stink <laughs> in the NBA? Yeah, and Charles Barkley yeah. just magically became the a whole, has-been. Yeah. The whole plot of Space Jam. Yeah, it's it's almost like the Oilers were the aliens in this analogy and the Kings are the, the NBA players here. Um Sorry, that was a bad analogy because they're both obviously the. I mean, maybe the Connor McDavid's an alien. We don't know. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, the but, Edmonton Oilers are the are the first opponent the Kings will face after the All Star break. So what fun! Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the King uh, the Oilers in a in the rapid fire as well. But yeah, that that is a good point. Um, well, oh wait. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. I just, just they have a couple of games before the All Star break, yeah. but after the All Star break, they're yeah, right it. back in the frying pan yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. hosting the Oilers. No, I, yeah, I got confused for a second because I was looking at their schedule right now and I'm like, oh, they're playing the Predators on Wednesday, but you're right, that's before yeah. the break. 
Um, so yeah, in any case, um, yeah, we do have some stats for you here, um, you listeners here. Um, yeah, so they dropped their first six games of the year, in, um, and then they won in January 15th against Carolina. They also lost to San Jose um, in a shootout. Um, two goals or less in seven of their first 14 games of 2024. Um, eight of those 14 games are one-goal decisions. Um, they they are one, two, and five in those st- games. By the way, uh, thank you, Steve, for all these statistics. I appreciate it. Um, Kings were 28-5 and five on New Year's Day. That's 45 points. They were third in the Pacific. Um, now they are fourth in the Pacific, one point clear of the cutoff line. Um, with the OT loss, they lost last night to the Blues. Uh, St. Louis is now tied with Los Angeles in the standings. Um, and yeah, I guess now we can talk about like why they're doing so poorly. I think a big part was is that like at the beginning of the year, Cam Talbot was like, oh, maybe he's actually good now um, and doing better, but not anymore. Um, he does, currently he has a 2.59 GAA and a save percentage of 911. I will say David Riddick, in like even though he hasn't played a ton, um, he hasn't actually been that bad. He has a 920 save percentage and a GAA of 2.09. However, he is, and I guess he is 4-1-3. and three. Um, So, like, I guess some of those games are, like, where he uh, comes in relief for Talbot. But, um, but it seems like that's been a big reason why they are struggling. Um, they, uh, it should be noted that Riddick started the game against Colorado where they lost 5-1, to one, and in the OT loss against the Blues, he also played the entire game. Yep. So they're actually riding Riddick as a starter right now because Talbot has struggled so mightily during mm. this losing streak. His numbers on the season are pretty good, but he's 0-6-2 with a GAA over 4 um, since uh, we turned the calendar to 2024. It's not been a great start for Talbot at all. Yeah, I was going to get into the splits um, of like what, um, of of like how he was doing before January, but yeah, like I'm looking here on his splits. Like in December, he had a nine seventeen save percentage. In a November, in November, in fact, he had a save percentage of nine forty one um, in eight Ooh. games. Um, and then in October, he had a save percentage of 914. But yeah, in, in January, he has a save percentage of 873. Uh, so that's uh, that's crazy. But then, uh, so I'm, I'm looking on ESPN stats splits here, and I guess they give you their st- uh, the splits on like the pre-All-Star game and then post-All-Star game. So he still has a 911 save percentage pre-All-Star game when you combine everything. But kind of that's kind of crazy um but um over the year but yeah uh, David Riddick has kind of almost taken over but I I I don't know if that's actually the solution because it does seem like it's not just the goaltending um we'll say um so yeah I I pulled up the stats from uh the King's stats from uh December 1st to now um, right now, Adrian Kempe has the lead in points on the Kings 
roster. He has 23 points in 27 games. These are all 27 games, by the way. Um, and then, but then you go into like, oh, the rest of the team is not doing so hot. Drew Doughty has 17 points. Um, Kevin Fiala, I mean, I guess Kevin Fiala does have 22 points. Um, and then um, Anze Kopitar also has 22 points. So I take that back. It's really Kempe Fiala are doing okay um, in this time span, but not great. Um, Quinn Byfield actually has had his moments every now and then, but still 18 points in his last 25 games. Um, Drew Doughty has 17 points. Deneau has 16 points. Trevor Moore has 15 points. Um, Alex Lafreniere, who is not to be uh, confused with Alexi Lafreniere, um, he has 11 points in 27 games. And then we'll talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois, but right now he has nine points in 27 games. And a minus, I know I don't talk about plus minus, um, but I only mention it when it's alarming. Um, a lot of these guys on the team, to be fair, in this span have uh, like minuses in their plus minus, but Pierre-Luc Dubois has a minus 15 in this span. I'm trying to... <laughs> Um, You're one of a massive contract, by the way. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about him now. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he... So he goes... To, we all, Just in case people forgot. Oh, and I'm also looking here. The, the guy who has, like, the best plus-minus on this team is Quinton Byfield with three. <laughs> so, um, again, I usually don't... Um, rely so heavily on plus minus but when it's that jarring i'm like all right i guess i have to pay attention to it uh just because of the whole like they don't count the power plays and empty netters and stuff like that but um but yeah um winning byfield has uh, th like that's their best plus minus on in this time span is uh quitting byfield with three um mm. But uh, but yeah, we can I'll, we can do a, a little bit of a refresher on Pierre Luc Dubois's history, where he was drafted by um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, and then um, and then he just uh, he doesn't like it there for whatever reason. I mean, we'll get into Columbus in, in the rapid fire, but maybe there's more to it. But um, whatever, he gets traded to Winnipeg for Patrick Laine. Um, and then, um, and then he spends a few seasons in, um, in Winnipeg, but ultimately, um, he just says like, you know what? I, I also don't want to be in Winnipeg either. Uh, so this makes it the second time where he doesn't want to be there in Winnipeg. Um, you, you know, he, he doesn't do poorly in Winnipeg to say, um, he had 63 points, in 73 games last year, for instance, but um, but in any case, he goes to LA because he he just wants a change. Uh, he gets traded there, and now he has 20 points in 47 games, um, and um, a minus 16 as a plus minus 
Although I'm looking at his stats, career stats, and I guess he, he just doesn't do well on a plus-minus basis, basically. It should also be noted that yeah. Winnipeg is one of the best teams in the NHL after trading Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, good point. And, like, Gabe Velarde, it's not helping that Gabe Velarde is doing well in Winnipeg. Sean Jersey mm-hmm. is doing well in Arizona. Um, God forbid if Rasmus Kapari lights it up with the Jets, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there's other examples of, like, uh, Kings that they traded away are doing well um, on the other teams. But, yeah, those are the two that kind of stand out. But And now Pierre-Luc Dubois is on the third line. There was a point, we were talking about this pre-show, that there was a point that Dubois was on the fourth line um, mm-hmm. at some point. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, at the time... I, I think we were just thinking like, okay, so he never really, like you get traded to Winnipeg and you know, you don't like Columbus. So it kind of like showed to me that like, oh, you don't really care about, like you, you, you still didn't really have a choice on where you ended up going in Winnipeg. So it's like, okay, so this is like, in a way it's like, yeah, you wanted out of Columbus, but it's not like Winnipeg was that great for him either, because you you also hear stories about how Winter like people don't want to play in Winnipeg, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, so then you're like, okay, so they're going to LA. That's a good system here. So I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't worked out for him just yet. Um, but of course, it's like he's he's being paid 8.5 million. Um, and that goes until 2031. Um, and, uh, they're going to need to figure something out. Even if like, even if they end up do getting like, I don't know if the, I guess they could, st- if they continue to lose like this, they could, they will probably be a top 10 pick, um, in the draft and they could end up getting like celebrating and all that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know what they necessarily do. Um, oh, and I guess before you go on, um, I should mention that uh, Drew, Drew Doughty um, kind of called out the team, saying, basically, I'm paraphrasing here about how um, he feels like, the, like a lot of guys are caring more about the points than um, actually winning games, which is, you would think, that would be a shot at Pierre-Luc Dubois. The only thing about that is is that Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't even scoring. (laughs) So it seems like he's calling out Kevin Fiala because he's the only one who's scoring, (laughs) Um, which is kind of funny. Um, But it seemed like Drew Doughty was kind of pulling what Devin Taze was saying um, back um, in Colorado. We talked about this um, when it happened, but Devin Taze uh, called out the effort level of all the Colorado Avalanche, and ever since then, Colorado Avalanche are now back on fire and what we expect them to be. So maybe Daddy was expecting a similar type of thing, Um, but uh, that didn't happen, or that hasn't happened yet. Um, Yeah, it's weird. Um, And then also, I guess I should mention, um, Alex Turcotte made his NHL debut last night. but he's on the fourth line. Um, it's weird how they're developing Alex Turcotte because you would think that he would, uh, le- like, because I, 
I had high hopes for Alex Turcotte. I thought he would be, like, a guy on the Kings at this point, um, especially since he was a part of that, like, 2019 U.S. team with Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Jack Hughes, and all those guys, and he never has had that shot. Um, and they haven't really developed him enough where it's like, oh, this is his first time playing last night. Um, so it is a little strange that they uh, called him up um, just to see, maybe they just wanted to see what they have in him, but um, it is a little strange that they're like, oh, let's just give him a fourth line role. Um, it's like, what, what are you doing here? Um, I don't know. Um, so that, that part's strange to me as well. But anyways, I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> what do you have on the Kings? So right now, I just want to put a little emphasis into the one goal game side of things, because I mentioned in their past 14, eight of those games were decided by a goal and the Kings are one, two and five uh, in that span. So allow me to give you the Kings special teams numbers during that span. 26.8% on the power play, 88.1% on the penalty kill. On the surface, that's pretty good. The Columbus Blue Jackets have a 13.5 success rate on the power play, 65.7 success rate on the penalty kill, which is god-awful. The Blackhawks, meantime, on the power play running at 9.8%, their penalty kills at 81%. The reason why I mentioned those two teams, those two teams are the only teams that have done worse than the LA Kings as of January 1st. Columbus is 3-6-2 in 11 games. Chicago is 3-11-0 in 14 games. Should be noted that basically throughout all of January, they don't have Connor Bedard. They're injury riddled. They have nobody to save the day basically outside of Peter Morazic. The LA Kings are 2-7-5. In that stretch, in that stretch, as I mentioned a couple of times already, one, two, and five in one goal games. If they get production from Dubois, if they get consistent production from guys like Kevin Fiala, if they score by committee that we've all been expecting them to, they're a better team right now. Instead, they're losing a lot of games that they very easily could have won. Um, I think in particular, if you want to go to a 20-minute stretch of play where they've struggled the second period. Hello, Ottawa Senators. We've dealt with that all year. Uh, it, since January 1st, the Kings have scored 12 goals in the second period. They've given up 22. So that's a negative 10 goal differential right there. Not ideal at all in the middle frame. Definitely needs to be better. Just it, It's just getting those plays here and there that lead to a few goals. Um that could disguise a lot of the flaws that the Kings have. And now that you look at their schedule, there is a realistic chance heading into the all-star break. They could be out of the playoff spot. And here's how the national predators who are currently one point back of the LA Kings are facing the Ottawa senators tonight. We're recording this on Monday morning, uh, just so we're clear. Um, so assuming Nashville wins that, which is likely they do, uh, Nashville will pull ahead at worst case. Uh, the second worst case scenario for the Kings is Nashville gets a point and they're tied with the Kings. Uh, then on Tuesday, just taking a look at uh, the NHL slate of games, 
you have the Blues who are tied with the Kings facing the lowly Blue Jackets, and you have the Seattle Kraken who are two points back of the Kings in the Pacific and breathing down their necks for the final wildcard spot. They're facing the Sharks. Again, a very winnable game for the Kraken. And then Wednesday, January 31st, the final slate of games before the All-Star break. There are three in action. One of them has the Kings in Nashville taking on the Predators. So that basically is a four-point swing because you could either pull two points ahead of Nashville in the standings or you could fall back two points further. In a nutshell, the LA Kings could be on the outside looking in as we get into the All-Star break. And then you get into February where, spoiler alert, they're facing a lot of great teams. I mentioned the Oilers February 10th, that home game. Uh, that's really tough draw going uh, going right out of the All-Star break. Um, they face Buffalo on the 13th. That's a road game. I suppose the Kings could win that, although it should be noted they lost to Buffalo earlier in January, so maybe they won't. Uh, then they go to New Jersey to take on the Devils. Speaking of teams on the outside looking in, but also very good, um, that's a huge game there. Uh, also, a Thursday afternoon game. I guess it's one of those uh, scenarios where the NHL has got like a game going on every 15 minutes. Uh, but nevertheless, then they go to Boston. We all know how good the Bruins have been this year. Uh, then on that other half of a back-to-back, weekend back-to-back, they're in Pittsburgh, who are fighting for a playoff spot too. That won't be an easy game. Later in the month, you have Nashville, another tough game. Then you got Edmonton and Calgary on a back-to-back, Edmonton being the scariest draw there. And then they wrap up February with a road game in Vancouver, who I don't know if anyone has heard. Uh, They've skyrocketed at the top of the NHL standings, and they keep finding ways to win. Which leads us to the week of the trade deadline, where they host New Jersey, then they host Vancouver, and... Then they host Ottawa, who, you know, like they're they're playing for pride. They're playing for jobs. That's mm-hmm. not going to be an easy home game as well. And the, then they host uh, Dallas and the Islanders shortly after the trade deadline. And then they get a lot of divisional opponents after that. You got Vancouver again. Uh, you have Edmonton again. You also have Tampa Bay that's fighting for something. Uh, Dallas and St. Louis again. Man, there's, there's just a lot of games where there's little room for error, and a lot of those stretches are going to be very pivotal into how the Kings approach the trade deadline. Um, as we'll talk about uh, in a second, uh, I definitely think they need to tink with, tinker with their roster somewhat, mm-hmm. and depending on how this little bit goes, uh, it could change to what extent they make these changes. Yep. Uh, because they could be a lot bigger if they continue this downward spiral. Yeah, so I uh, I just pulled, while you were talking, I just pulled up their uh, roster from last year uh, just to see what else had changed and if there were guys that I missed in terms of like guys who are doing well now. Um, and I had forgotten that Jonas Corposalo was a part of the team. Um, yep. He, um, and, <laughs> but he's not doing so hot in Ottawa now. Um, but they did have Jonathan Quick um, last year, and he's kind of been a reverse um, Corpusalo, where he's all of a sudden really good now. Um, as a they backup. also traded him in order yep. to get Corpusalo. That's true. Yep. Um, Phoenix Copley, although I believe Phoenix Copley has is like now injured, 
uh, for the rest of the year. So, but um, but yeah, he had like a nine oh three. He wasn't doing so hot in goal last year. Um, he has a nine oh three save percentage. Um, last year still getting wins though. Still, yeah, he did get wins though. That's true. Um, and then Calvin Peterson. Uh, they had, but yeah, there was that uh-huh. thing where they put him in the minors, and then they eventually got a taker in Philadelphia. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it looks like Kyle Peterson might get some more starts eventually um, <clears throat> in Philadelphia. But um, but yeah, it, it, it was a nice reminder here of that, like, oh, right, like, they had goalie struggles last year, um, and they they thought that Cam Talbot would be the answer. Looks like it hasn't worked out. Maybe they have something in David Riddick, um, but uh, but it also seems like maybe there's more to it than just goaltending. Um, so so maybe there is something there where it's like it's not just the goaltending um, there. But um, yeah, in terms of we have some questions here um, of like roughly six weeks before the trade deadline, what should the Kings do? Um, you know, I, <coughs> excuse me, I, I think they definitely need to make a change. I think what should probably happen is Todd McClellan gets fired. Um, I don't know who you replace. Maybe it's just the, per, the Ontario rain head coach. You just bring him up, whoever that guy is. I don't even know what you do, but. Um, you just like bring him up and you do, you do that, or you even like you hire Bruce Boudreaux, um, to get some spark in the offense. Um, also Bruce Boudreaux. Berube is also available. People forget that. Berube would be good too. Yeah. Um, Evison's also there. Yeah. Berube. I mean, actually, now that I think about it, Berube is probably the best suggestion just considering what he I don't was. think he's. I don't think he's the best suggestion either, but for the record, Gerard Gallant's also available. Oh, yeah. Just Gallant's for the line fine. juggling, I think he'd be bad for the team, but yep. hey, he's got a good track record. So yeah, Gallant, Gallant wouldn't be bad either. But um, yeah, no, I was just thinking Barube because of what he was able to do in 2019, but yeah. um, he, like, you could just do a similar thing. Um, but yeah, uh, so they, I guess there are definitely coaching options there. Um, what was interesting is is they interviewed Rob Blake a few weeks ago, and granted things may have changed, but Rob Blake was asked about uh, Todd McClellan's future, and he said like, "No, we're sticking with McClellan. We have faith that he's gonna stay with the squad." And then about like during one of the losses um, in the last week, McClellan was like asked like, "Do you think you're gonna be fired?" and McClellan's like, yeah, that's a reasonable take. Like, I don't even hate you for asking that type of question. And it's just like, so it's almost, it feels like, uh, and he kind of, and then the Kings kind of gave a non-answer where they're saying like, yeah, we kind of believe in Todd McClellan. I'm paraphrasing, of course. The fans also believed in DJ Smith. Then yeah. they kept losing, and a couple weeks later, right. he was gone. At the, at the end of the day, yeah. There's only so many affordable options on the yeah. trade market that work perfectly for the Kings that they think yeah. are worth uh, that they think are wise investments at least for the short term, and uh, the more likely scenario is they try to make the most of what they have. And if the coach can't do that, then they obviously yep. probably make a change with the coaching staff. That's the mm. easy way out. 
Yeah, I mean, and, like, just the fact is, you look at the Oilers, it's like, oh, okay, they're doing well now. <laughs> okay, let's, you know, it's might be a little bit too late, but maybe if they, they could just fire the coach, like, during the All-Star break, it's not that hard to believe, but. Yeah, by the way, Jay Woodcroft's also available. There's another Yeah, guy. Woodcroft's another one. Um, but, like, I, I think in fairness to Rob Blake and in fairness to McClellan, he, McClellan is a good coach. Um, yep. It's just, um, like, I feel like that's just, if if McClellan is fired, I think this makes it, like, the seventh coach firing this season, um, which is Let crazy. Let look that up, but, yeah, keep, keep talking. I know, it sounds up. right, but I, I'm probably wrong. Yeah, um, it probably is. But, in any case, it's like, um, I, I think that's just what you do in this kind of thing where you like yeah ultimately a trade would probably be the way to go about this and getting a gold tender but at the same time you have to figure out the cap situations it might not always work um we had always thought that like oh maybe carter hart would be like the guy to to trade for but um it looks like carter hart is unavailable at the moment which we'll get to in the rapid fire um, and even if Carter Hart was still playing, um, you would have, like, maybe it's John Gibson. I don't think John Gibson would want to, like, the Kings and the Ducks making a trade. I'm not sure that would work. Um, and, uh, you know, like, there's maybe Jacob Markstrom, but then that's another one where it's, like, in the division, um, and Calgary may start to think that they want to compete, start competing. Um, so, um, so I guess there are some goaltenders out there, which I guess would be the other fix that you have, but it's also like tough to really see a team really training for a goaltender and maybe it's not that easy of a fix really. Um, so, so that's, that's the other part too, where it's like, you know, I, I think, just going back to my original point, I think in fairness to Rob Blake and McClellan, it's like McClellan is a good coach. He was able to take this Kings team to the playoffs on very poor goaltending. Um, and and they were a good team, you know, throughout the entire season. So he does deserve the right to, to see if he can right the ship without any other moves. But at the same time, it's like, it's they they might miss the playoffs if they don't do something um and it, it might be unfortunately that tom mcclellan is going to lose his job because of it so to um answer your question about the coaching firings yeah. mid-season this is excluding the offseason of course there have been five coaching changes i'm not oh, going to wow. include the rick bonus leave of absence because that's not a firing like he's back with the team and it was personal okay matters. Fair, but yeah. jay woodcroft was the first to go in edmonton replaced by chris knobloch obviously things have mm. gone well there uh that was november 12 2023 the first uh, coaching axing of the season uh then november 27th rolls around D dean evison of the minnesota wild is the next casualty john hines taking over there not much has unfortunately changed for minnesota they're still on the outside looking in like they were when they made that change then we go to december 12th where craig berube gets the axe by the blues drew banister takes over on an interim basis 
Then, of course, uh, all of us in Ottawa remember this one. DJ Smith, December 18th, um, was let go. Jacques Martin gets the interim tag. And then more recently, Lane Lambert of the <coughs> Islanders fired in place of Patrick Waugh January 20th. Okay. That was the fifth coaching change. So there are five in-season coaching changes at the moment. I'm not sure why I thought there were six, but I was yes, surprisingly close. Six... Six if is you, still a if lot. If you would have included the leave of absence by bonus, it's technically six, but I choose not to. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Uh, but um, still, still, six is a lot. <laughs> so the, Getting back to the Markstrom point, yep. and getting a goaltender I definitely think is Im- important for the Kings. And granted, the cap is going up, so I, I get the logic there. But they're already near the salary cap right now. Quinton Byfield, we keep mentioning the good season that he's had. Mm. He's in a contract here. Yep. So that uh, entry-level contract that he's making right now is going bye-bye, and you're going to have to pay the man. Uh, there's also Arthur Kaliev, who's been a pretty serviceable NHLer. There's also Carl Grundstrom in the mix, too, um, that uh, you're going to have to sort out. Um, combined, the goalies that they have right now make less than $2 million, so you're not really going to be getting enough cap space to bring in like a Jacob Markstrom contract just based on that alone. Yep. Uh, long-term injured reserve, you have Victor Arvidsson and Phoenix Toffley. Both of those contracts come off the books. So that's $5.75 million in free money plus the $4 million in cap space that you're going to get. That's definitely going to help if you don't uh, keep those two around. Uh, Matt Roy, $3.15 million UFA. I suppose you don't have to keep him. Um, and the Gavrikov contract only goes for another year. So in theory, after next season, you could get close to another $6 million off the books. But again, as those new players uh, come into the picture and you have to extend them, eventually Brant Clark is going to be on the NHL club. And I would assume at some point they're going to have to pay him mm-hmm. if everything goes according to plan there. So... I think it might be a bit risky just for the salary to bring in Markstrom because not only is yep. his cap hit pretty high, he also has term beyond this season. Just taking a look at his current contract, I guess it's not terrible, but he's got two more years at $6 million. Yeah. And if they make a move like that, they're probably going to have to get some retained salary for at least this season to, to make yeah. the money work. And I don't know how willing Calgary is going to be able to take that on because they're also trying to get back to their winning ways. They're not looking to rebuild. They're trying to retool and, you know, try to turn back the clock and still try and build a winner out of this team. Yeah. So I, I just feel like Markstrom's a little bit of a risk. I can see if, and I would say Ellis Merzlikens is a bigger risk because again, right, not, not, not because one, yeah. he's like, like, I, I, I think he's a bit younger than Markstrom and like maybe he can turn turn his career around and get good results for the Kings and his best years might be still ahead of him. But again, there's more term and roughly the same amount of dollars going into Merzlikens pocket that, you know, I don't even know if it's even worth it for the Kings to make that move. I sure. can see them maybe being in the race for Jake Allen as like a short term fix, right. kind of like a short-term option like Corpus Allo was last season. But uh, if if they make a change in the goaltending department, uh, if he's under contract beyond this year and it's, it's, it's a significant cap hit, 
I don't really know why the Kings have any interest of doing that deal. I don't know if they can pull off that deal. Sure. Even if John Gibson was available, I don't think the Ducks are just willing to yep. give him to a state rival. Right. And, and even if they were willing to, again, I just don't know if they could make the money work. So, again, that's why I say the easiest uh, play might be a coaching change because I don't know how else you can improve this roster for the short term. In the offseason is a different story, but for the short term, I, I, I don't really know who's going to come in and, and say them in terms of like the upper echelon talents. Yeah, I only suggested Markstrom just because that was the, it seemed to be like the top goalie now um, in terms of like someone you could trade. But yeah, I, I yeah. didn't consider the fact of like, yeah, his contract's not great. Not to mention the fact that he has a no movement clause. Um, so that you would have to. I'm sure you'd be willing to wave it to go to the Probably Kings would, because yeah. they'd be a team that's ready to win right now. Yeah, I mean, it, they are in that stage where they're one piece away, and that is a goalie. But, um, but yeah, that that is a fair point. Um, it should also be noted that uh, there's three years left of the Drew Daddy deal, which is a cap yep. of eleven million dollars, which I, is yep. just about double what Markstrom is making right now. Yeah, you you had mentioned Kaliev. What's interesting with him too is I feel like because like I have him on my fantasy team, so I'm more um, in like one of my dynasty leagues. And the only reason why I haven't dropped him is just because I feel like he's going to get traded pretty soon. Um, but like yeah, every, he's he's on the fourth line, and then sometimes he gets healthy scratched for like seemingly no reason at all. And I'm just like, what are they doing to this guy? Um, so uh, I, I think feel, it's mostly because yeah. he might be more of a defensive liability, even yeah. though it seems like he's trying to improve no, that's, that. That's but fair. also Pierre Luc Dubois is kind of acting like a defensive liability, right? Yeah, now. yeah. So, but like, yeah, you could say that about any of the team, and I feel like Kaliev just needs a change of scenery. Um, yeah. And you could like, and as I alluded to as well, is like you could say the same for Alex Turcotte. It's just strange that of how they're using yeah. him. Like, you know, he was, like he was their fifth overall pick in 2019. Um, he was supposed to be one of the centers. And, yeah, they didn't know that they were going to get Quentin Byfield at the time and all that yeah, stuff. Didn't they pass on Trevor Segris just and to they, select him, too? Well, yeah, but, like, you, you know, even back then, it's like, yeah, Turcotte did have a better season than Zegris did. Um, but, like even, like, even still, like, they haven't even given him a chance to be in the top um six uh for instance so like that part i don't necessarily understand and maybe there is something that we don't know yet either but yeah they could give him more of a chance um because it's like at this point it's like why not like you know just see what what turcot has what kaliev has um and maybe that has something like and if if they're not working for you i'm sure like some team is going to take a chance on Turcotte or Kaliev. Like, they're still 22 years old. That's, that's like, that's still pretty young uh, to figure something out. So it's that, that part's a little strange. I'm just looking at the top me. 10 of the 2019 yep. draft right now. Yep. The, obviously, Turcotte is last in games played. Second last at eighth overall is Philip Broberg of the Oilers, who, yep. by the way, it sounds like he wants a change of scenery, too. He's played in 79 games and has posted 11 points. Yep. Turcotte has posted no points, seven penalty minutes. He's only played 13 games. Yep. Broberg almost has the same amount of points as Turcotte games played. 
in his NHL career. Yeah. Like that, it's, it's just shocking how how his value has fallen. And I do agree that if the Kings make a big trade, I can see Turcotte as one of those pieces they're willing to ship out because yep. I, I definitely think the space is too cluttered for him to do much of anything there. Not to mention, like, he had seven minutes of ice time in his first game he played this year. Yeah. He had uh, six um, – uh, he played four games last year, um, and he had six minutes and 59 seconds of average ice time in those four games. And then his – I guess his rookie year in 2021-2022, I guess that was the bubble year. Um, he had 11 minutes yeah, of ice development. time. Taken yep. a bit of a dive, and I think games. the pandemic has yep. kind of unroyally screwed him there. Which I mean, what can you do? I guess. Yeah, but yeah, it is strange. Um, and then the last thing, twenty-three points in twenty-eight AHL games this year. So yeah, like, I was about to say. I thought, I thought I thought he had like picked it up in his um, um, in his like the AHL now, but um, but yeah. Um, yeah, this would be his fourth season of AHL hockey. Yeah. So it's, system. So that, that part's a little bit strange. Um, yeah, 23 points in 28 games, as you were mentioning. Um, but, yeah, so it is it is strange. Um, but, yeah, and then the other part, oh, the other part that I wanted to get into, although we briefly mentioned it, um, they treated, uh, when they treated uh, Sean Dursey to Arizona, I was thinking, like, oh, this must mean that they're going to give Brant Clark or Jordan Spence some ice time because they're like they feel like they're ready um jordan spence has been decent at times but like i thought like oh maybe this means that brand they really see brand clark as the next drew dowdy so they're gonna you know and they don't necessarily love sean dursey as much um and they thought that that would be the difference but what's weird with brand clark is sometimes he gets healthy scratched and the games that he does play, he's only played in six games so far, um, and he's only had one assist, but, like, it's just, like, I guess they kind of had thought that Brand Clark would be doing more at this point, um, and it's not working for them. Um, so I, I feel like strange. they're trying to shelter a lot of their prospects yeah. and just giving them enough time to develop, and I think for most cases that works. But sometimes it doesn't, yeah. and I feel like they've sheltered Turcotte a bit too much. Yeah. I fear they might do the same with Brand Clark uh, yeah. to the point where, for for whatever reason, they're not able to live up to their full mm. potential. And I guess they're just saying, well, it worked for Quentin Byfield, so it'll work yeah. for these guys too. But even like Byfield, he struggled last year too. It's like yeah, it's strange. It's just like yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like they need to like develop their players more um and they might just need to trade some of these guys too because i guess i think that might have been the thing too is that they just drafted too well where they just have a overload of young guys now um so that's an interesting part too to think about i think Um, i think they need to do what the leafs have done and in the past establish who the nhl guys are in that prospect pool and don't be afraid to sell high on those prospects when you have the chance to get mm. assets that are going to help you today. Yep. Because I do agree that the youth movement is going to be what fuels the present day and the future day LA Kings. But, I mean, if you just wait for something to happen with Alex Turcotte, 
Yeah. I think teams are probably going to grow more weary and just like, eh, we like this other guy better. Include yep. him in the deal, please. Yeah, or same with Kaliev, too. It feels like they've yeah, already... exactly. What, what's weird is it feels like they've already ridden off Turcotte and Kaliev already, and um, it's like they're 22 years old. It's like, I don't yeah, know. They still have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, maybe Kaliev is bad on defense, but you're supposed to teach him how to play defense. <laughs> like Samuel Fajimo has been yeah. in their prospect system for quite some time. Yeah. He's played in Samuel. 23 uh, in 21 NHL games to this point in his career. They put him on waivers. They, yeah. I'm pretty sure they lost him on waivers they did. Yep. because now it says he's on the roster as a waivers claim, even though they drafted him. So yep. they got him back yep. after, after probably the team they got him said, oh, we'll just send him down to the minors. Oh, we lost him? Well, crap. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's strange. Uh, he's 23, by the way. Yep. Um, let's uh, see here. Uh, so our next question here. Um, can this team turn it around? What needs to change for that to happen? I think we kind of talked about what needs to change. I, I think, I, I guess, I guess a coaching change does need to happen because I can't think of anything else. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like they're going to start losing it. Um, but yeah, they need to make some, like, I feel like they need to make a goalie change in some way. Although, Maybe David Riddick is the guy, um, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, if you head into the playoffs, I was still hesitant when I looked at David Riddick, Tam Talbot, and Phoenix Copley, and I look at that trio, I'm just like, would I trust this trio in the playoffs? Like, after a grueling 82-game yep. season, are these guys going to be that trio that gets it done for me? Mm-hmm. And I had my suspicions early on if it was going to be sustainable. Before the puck dropped on the preseason, I had my doubts. And even more so now, I have my doubts. They've definitely done as much as they can to get the team to this point. And to an extent, it worked out great. But now you need to make changes before things really fall off the rails. Because down the stretch, I don't know if that trio uh, is going to get the job done. Yeah. And- even if it's as simple as just getting a low-risk, high-reward guy in Jake Allen. I mean, Jake Allen has played playoff hockey like Cam Talbot has. Mm-hmm. He's done pretty well in the playoffs as well with the Blues. And he's, while he wasn't a prominent role on the Blues championship team, he did get a ring. He was yep. there. He saw a lot of the magic that made the Blues great that season. So I definitely think... If you're looking for short-term options in that, someone like a Jake Allen can come in and just make the timely saves when you need to. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are going to give Jake Allen a lot of crap because, you know, his numbers haven't been all that great. I mean, if you look at the Montreal Canadiens teams in front of him, there hasn't really been much help there. If you put him in a defensive structure that allows him to excel, like Corpus Allo was able to last year, I definitely think you get can get quality playoff hockey out of Jake Allen when at least around and maybe even more than that, see where that takes you. But they can't just sit idly by and just wait for something to happen. They're going to have to make some changes. And I definitely think heading into the all-star break, uh, if, if they lay an egg against the Preds and they're out of a playoff spot, I'm interested to see if they make that change just before uh, they come back from break. 
yeah. uh, to face the Oilers there. So uh, Wednesday against Nashville is going to be a big, big game in terms of where this team is headed down the stretch. I mean, the thing, though, is that, like, I, I guess you could say this about any goalie. Um, the thing with Jake Allen, though, is that there's nothing to say that Jake Allen could turn into a Cam Talbot again. Like, it'll be another, like, it's like, oh, okay, we have another Cam Talbot-like player. Um, oh, which Cam Talbot? Cam Talbot was pretty dominant. No, but I mean I mean the Cam Talbot that's struggling right now. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a chance. Like, like if, if you were to tell me that, like, you know, at the start of the season that, like, oh, yeah, okay, you bring in Jake Allen and the Kings defense is, is going to help him that Montreal, like, Montreal has a better defense. But now that Cam Talbot's struggling, and I don't know if I can trust David Riddick. I know he's playing well now, but who knows how long that's going to last. It's like, I don't know if you can really say the Kings defense is going to insulate uh, Jake Allen. Um, and, and you could say that about any of these goalies. So I feel like something needs to happen with their defensive abilities where um, you just need to work on how how to make Cam Talbot into the guy again. But And by doing that, I think you do have to fire the coach. Uh, to your point about um, defensive structure, I yep. definitely think there is some truth to that because outside yep. of Jake Allen maybe being a solution, here are the top free agency goalies in terms of wins, in terms of unrestricted free agent goalies, uh, effective July 1st, mm -hmm. 2024. Scott Wedgwood, back up to um, Jake Ottinger. Mm -hmm. uh, he has an 899 save percentage, a GAA near three on the Dallas Stars. We mentioned uh, Cam Tellett already. He's already on the team. Antti Ranta, who was put on waivers by the Hurricanes, his save percentage is 870. Um, Jonathan Quick, no way the Rangers are trading him, especially when Shashurkin has struggled at times. Martin Jones of the Maple Leafs, um, he's 34 years old. I don't know what quality hockey you're going to get out of him. I suppose maybe Marc-Andre Fleury, but we talk about Cam Talbot inconsistencies. Yeah. He has an 897 save percentage. I don't really know what you're going to mm. get out of him. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic could be interesting if the Penguins move him, but again... At 28 years old, yep. limited time as a starter, you don't know which version of Mendelkovic you're going to get. Now that Ilya Samsonov is starting to get things back in order, I don't think the Leafs are going to move on from him. No way the Jets move on from Laurent Brassois. There's Casey DeSmith, who's been kind of man with the Canucks, but uh, I don't really see why the Canucks would trade him because yep. they need insurance for Demko. And then that leaves, I don't know, guys like Capo Kakinen or maybe even like... Mackenzie Blackwood. Mackenzie Blackwood with the Sharks. Yeah. Right, right. So your options are kind of limited. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, I guess my point is is that I feel like a goalie isn't the fix. Now, that I'm like, I'm talking myself out of it, I think. Because uh, I did say earlier on that I think the goal of tending is the, the thing that they need to fix. But... But when you were mentioning Jake Allen and it's like, oh, he can do what Corpus Allo did last year for the Kings. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, Cam Talbot's not doing so hot. Um, what makes us so sure that um, it's going to work this time? Um, so that, that, that was just more my own logic there. But The one thing that works against Cam Talbot is that he's 36 years old. Yeah. 
And I just don't know how much quality hockey has left in the tank yeah. to kind of get the Kings to the finish line. That's mostly why I'm concerned with Talbot. And I'm not really sure if I'm comfortable with David Riddick as the starter long-term, even though to this point he has played well. Uh, again, down yeah. the stretch, I don't really know what I'm going to be getting from David Riddick. That's all. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. But I feel like that might just be the option they have. You know, um, or praise someone in the minor leagues yeah. is going to come and save the day like Bennington did for the Blues yeah, maybe. some time ago. Yeah, maybe they hire Berube and do that. Yeah, again. or they just trade for Dustin Wolf. Yeah, maybe. Just, I don't know, uh, get Conroy super drunk and just yeah. steal him from Calgary. <laughs> or they could eat, they, they could get Jonathan Quick again. I know you were laughing that <laughs> off, but that would be kind of funny. Um, yeah, I doubt any, that. <laughs> in any case, we've been doing this main topic for too long now um yeah. rapid fire um all right start the timer pal let's it get is, it yeah it started here uh so the uh london police is now the london ontario police uh, i know it's uh, people in canada yeah. probably know london but london canada i feel like i have to mention uh so they are now charging the five members of um who did the sexual assault case um in 2018 on that world juniors uh team canada team um we they the police did mention on their twitter that they're they'll they'll share their investigation more further in february 5th um we do know that alex formington has turned himself in so we know Mm -hmm. that he's one of the people um it is a lo- facing charges facing, facing charges, yeah. charges at this point yep yes fair. That's we good... don't know the other four but yeah formanton is the first um to yep. be put in and it, it i in light of what happened with Connor bedard please don't jump to conclusions yep. everyone i know people are taking leave of absences yep. and we've seen in broad daylight from the teams that they are taking yep. leave of absences and they are connected to the team, but just don't assume automatically that means they're involved. True. Like, like, like we need to be better from last time. Yeah, although this is a little bit different because, like, you are referring to, like, and we'll get into it in a second with, like, Patrick Line, because they did say, like, Patrick Line, the, the Blue Jackets mentioned that Patrick Line was going to the assistance program. Um, and they usually do mention that it's an LTIR or whatever, but um, I did allude to it um, in the main topic where, like, Carter Hart, he said he'd take a leave of absence, and they would say if it was an assistance program, they would say um, if he's on LTIR. Um, so we know it's not that, but, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't speculate, and we should learn from um, that yeah. Connor Bedard situation, but it seems very likely that... Um, that it seems that Carter Hart is involved in some way, but this is uh, going to be a know. PR nightmare yeah. that I don't think the NHL is ready for. Yeah. Cause this isn't just like something in the summer yeah. where like, Oh, well no. no one's with their team. So we actually don't know But what yeah. now we actually see players seeing leave of absences. We check the yeah. roster and we see them on there. It's like, okay, then, yeah. well, this will be interesting yeah. to see Fair. develop. Um, all that to say, if I, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have mentioned Carter Hart because you're you're right that we should say do the innocent before proving guilty, but uh, so so if you 
Um, if you did do some research, if like if you are really curious about this, I'm sure you you'll be able to find out all the other guys who did take a yeah. leave of absence. The I NHL won't teams do that any tweeted further. who was placed on an indefinite leave of absence, yeah. and people on the internet are very smart. Yep. If they can connect the dots, who was yep. on that team fair, fair. and who wasn't, and Patrick Line is finished, so we obviously know this is a completely separate matter from yeah. from Line. Right, right, and and well, that that's kind of my point is that they said Patrick Liney is going to the assistance program. Yeah. So like, so like they we knew what what was going on there. Um, but anyways, uh, before we get to Liney, um, the Oilers' winning streak is at sixteen. Something that we didn't mention in last week's show that I feel like we should mention now is first off, this is the second longest streak in NHL history. It's tied with the Columbus Blue Jackets, actually, from, um, like, a few seasons ago, which yeah, I... 2016, yeah, 2016 We did yeah. a segment on that. We, yeah, we must have. Um, yeah. And then uh, the record is actually the 92-93 Penguins. Um, they have eight... They went eight... They had 18 straight winnings uh, streak uh, consecutively. Um, but granted, this was before the, like, ties were, or this was when yeah. ties were a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if, like, if that was involved or anything like that, but... Um, if we're talking about, like, pure wins, yeah. Columbus holds the record. If we're talking about non-losing streaks, Pittsburgh yeah. has the record. Right. So either way, the Edmonton Oilers at this rate could just be both yeah. and just, like, leave little doubt who holds the record. Yeah, and I believe at this point that uh, they could break, the Oilers will break the record um, with, uh, oh, I, oh, it would be Anaheim. Um, they would tie it, and then the Kings yeah. would be the, the uh, breaker. But they play Vegas after the All-Star break. Um, that seems to be the one that, that's going to um, be the biggest, like, <laughs> their best chance now that the Kings are struggling, as we just did a whole episode on that, and Anaheim, um, they're back to... They were hot in the beginning of the season, but Anaheim's not doing so hot now. So It should also be noted that the Ducks-Kings is a back-to-back. Yeah. What if so. the Oilers, like, just win out? the Like, they <laughs> never lose. <laughs> Dude, they're going to win every single game, and then yeah. they're going to get swept in four straight in the first round. <laughs> that, that, that's definitely going to happen. You're right. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that encapsulates hockey in a nutshell, everyone. That, that's totally going to happen. Um, Patrick Lining, um, as we mentioned, he's going to the assistance program. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote, wrote out a statement um, later on, um, a couple months, uh, a couple of hours later, just saying that um, he um, he was talking to his support system, and he, he's been injured for a while now. Um, but yeah, he was talking to his support system, and he just um, and talked to the team, and he said that it was just best for him to take some time off uh, from. Hockey, we don't know exactly what it is um, for sure, and we shouldn't speculate at the same time. Um, but I, I have a ton of respect for Patrick Laine for doing this because um, it takes a lot of courage to admit that you need help, um, whatever it is, um, if it's just depression or if it's alcoholism or whatever it is, 
Um, I know that like I think his father died a few years ago. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, the fact that he like requested a trade out of Winnipeg. There's definitely pressure from society in terms of like you know fans are relentless towards him. Um, just being a part of Canadian media and just being like a public figure at that. So, um, and he's been injured every now and then. So it's like, I hope that he, uh, and I, I guess kudos for the NHL for providing this type of assistance program for their players. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's sad in one way that it's like, oh, that he's, he's able to do this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's so much progress in society that, Patrick Line is getting the help that he needs right now. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm happy, but also sad that I just won't see him play hockey for a while. But, um, of course, it's like he's going to be better than ever once he's back. Yeah, and I think just, just getting back to enjoying yep. hockey again, it hasn't been necessarily the brightest of times just from an off-ice mm-hmm. perspective, but also an on-ice perspective. Like the Blue Jackets – Cat can sh- catch a break. You know, yep. one player has already requested a trade. The last thing they need is another mm. player requesting a trade. Oh, wait, someone else did? Okay, great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. The no. um, Columbus Blue, yeah, speaking of which, uh, David Yerchek. So what happened, I guess we should uh, mention a little bit of what transpired here as well. One, Elvis Merzilkins, we talked about, he had requested a trade a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Bokvist, um, he got put on IR, and the Blue Jackets recalled Nick Blankenberg. Um, and David Yerchik, um kind of got upset about this because he, um, cause he's, he says here, I played good hockey in the NHL. I'm an NHL player right now. That's my opinion, that I should be in the NHL right now. I see guys from the same draft, like Simon Nemich and Korczynski, they got a chance on the power play, um, and um, yeah, he, he was just saying that like I should have a chance to be in the NHL, and if I'm not getting that opportunity, um, oh yeah, he goes on to say they play a ton of minutes in the NHL. They those are different teams, so different situations, but I can compare with them. I just want a chance to play like that. They told me the last game was not good enough for me. I told them I don't think so, but that's your opinion. I was out of the lineup after that a whole month now. It feels like I haven't played. Um, Aaron Ports. This is all from Aaron Ports' line. Um, there was concern that Jerichek would decline to report to the AHL Cleveland. Um, and then uh, Jerichek says, the guys here in Cleveland are awesome. The coaches are awesome. It's fun to be here now because that's a lot of winning. There's a good energy. But still, this is not what I want. Uh, right. So, um it sounds like, you know, I, I guess it, it seems like, uh, yeah, he wants out of um, Columbus. And I don't really blame uh, David, Ch- David Chircheck, um for this because it's like, um, especially when last year when he, um, you know, he played well at the beginning of the year. Then there's all these injuries and then it seemed like they healthy scratched him. Um, also, I don't. I didn't mention this when I was emailing this to you, but um, there were some weird words from Pascal Vincent towards um, Jiracek. This is from The Athletic. Um, I uh, So Jiracek, uh, so Vincent was asked about uh, Jiracek's impatience towards starting in the, in the NHL. Uh, Vincent said, 
I told them, don't lose that. Um, we want that from you. The, that part of his game, his confidence is a reflection of how he plays. He has some swagger about him. And then he says, I get it. My daughter wants her own car. She's 13 years old. It's the Amazon effect. Everyone wants it now. He compared David Juracek to his 13-year-old daughter. Like, what the hell, Daniel Pascal Vincent? Like, like this is a 20-year-old. Um, it's just, um, that part's uh, just insane to me. It's, and that just shows me everything I need to know about Pascal Vincent. Um, I mean, at least he yeah. didn't ask for people's phones. Right, but it's like, he, like the fact that he's just, like, he's saying, like, oh, he's just, like, like a, my 13-year-old, he's a teenager who just wants everything now. It's like, what? What the hell? Um, and especially when they they just, like, last year when they told them to, like, move into Columbus, you don't have to, like, uh, rotate all that stuff, and, you know, they burn his contract year. It's just, like, what are they doing in Columbus? It's kind of crazy. Um, so, I yeah. think they're, again, trying to shelter their players. Yeah. Because... If, I'm sure if there's one other thing that players don't like outside of mm -hmm. not getting enough ice time, it's losing a lot of games. Yeah. And I think you need David Juracek and his confidence um, in order to win. Um, so, like, we're it's like, talking about Yuri Slokovsky. He's the first overall pick. He's played 87 mm -hmm. games, the most out of any in his draft class, in Juracek's draft class. Yep. Nemec just made his debut this season. He's played 26 games. Logan Cooley has played 48 games in his rookie season. Uh, David Juracek has played in 40 NHL games to date. Uh, Kevin Korczynski on the god-awful Blue Jackets that need basically anyone Black and Hawks. everyone to play defense. He's mm -hmm. played in 44. Pavel Minchikov has played with the Saginaw Spirit for 40 games. The only player outside of the first round that has played in at least 10 games is Matt Poitras of your Bruins. Yep. And he was a late second-round pick. So, like, a lot of these players in this draft class haven't even debuted in the NHL yet, and Juracek has. But I, I do get his point about being frustrated about uh, yeah. his ice time, especially when the Blue Jackets, you know, are, are trying to, like, ice a decent team. Yeah. And he wants to get his confidence going and prove that he belongs, and he can't really do that. I think it's pretty evident that the Blue Jackets want Macklin Celebrini and they're going to have to get to the Hawks and Sharks level of suckage in order to do that. Yep. So I definitely think part of it is just the Blue Jackets' sheer desperation to get another star player yeah. because nothing they do right now works. And with guys hitting the injury bug or <laughs> taking leave of absences or requesting trades, like, even then, I don't think it's, it's good enough to yeah. be on that level of bat. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, th I think the... The thing that's that's interesting here is like Yurchek was drafted in twenty twenty two, so it's like yeah I guess, like usually like players start or like the draft class starts to matter like three years from now, so from that perspective it's like okay Yurchek maybe just be might be too young, but at the same time like the Blue Jackets did hire uh, or uh, they did sign. Um, Provorov, and they did sign David Severson or trade for uh, Severson as well, um, and then, which is fine, whatever. Maybe you know Yerchek isn't ready, but then they like they burn his contract year last year, um, 
and then they have all these injuries last year as well. So it's like you're saying that Juracek isn't better, like isn't their ninth best defenseman, even if he is like a teenager at that point. It, that seems a little bit strange to me. Um, and yeah, it seems like there's a lot of things that are going wrong there. Um, and I think we talked too long about it, <laughs> apparently. I will add this little nugget, too, by the way. I think yeah. there was a certain someone who gave him a lot of courage to make that move. Yep. It wasn't Elvis Merz Lincolns. It's Kevin it Hayes. Was the, oh. <laughs> it was the guy that was taken before him in the draft, Cutter Goche of the Philadelphia uh, Flyers, okay. now on the Anaheim Ducks. Got it, got it. Who, as we all know, yeah. didn't want to play for the Flyers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's blame everything from now on on Cutter Goche. You... <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it should be noted that the guy before him was Cutter Goche. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're actually being serious. I thought you were joking. No, I'm being serious, yeah. What? I, I think that I think that was part of you know him getting the courage as well as uh, oh, Lincoln. Uh, I don't know. I, I, getting I, the courage to say hey, I don't have to play here. Uh, I can play somewhere else. No, I don't. Like, cause I, cause we don't know even know if they're friends. Yeah, well, I know, but I mean, like, hockey circles are hockey circles. Like, hockey circles are them. hockey circles, but they've never played in the same league. They're not even the same nationality. They just happen if to be in the same draft Columbus, class. If you think the Columbus Blue Jackets have any leverage in keeping anyone who asks for a trade, I'm uh, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. No, but like, I, I I, don't think Cutter Gauthier had an influence on this. No, no. Okay, but I, maybe, so you are joking. Not directly, okay. but I'm sure players watch from afar and just like, oh, that's interesting. Re uh, okay, yeah, maybe like an indirect way. But, yeah, indirectly. Okay, okay. Well, that's different. Indirectly. That's yeah. di that's different. Indirectly. Okay. I thought. Okay. Also, um, Brett, um, tough injury news for the Rangers. I know the timer went, yep, but you really fair. wanted to mention this, so go ahead. Oh yeah, fair. I, I mean, it's not like um, I, I mean, I, I do order the rapid fire for a reason, so it's like like I do try to say like, oh, I wanted to talk about this, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, Philip Hedel, uh, he's out for the rest of the season. Um. So that's unfortunate. Although he was, what what's frustrating is this is his like fifth concussion um, of his young career, um, and he was like playing really well before he got injured too. So it's just like, I don't know. This might be it for Filipito, um, but um, hopefully not. But um, it might be. Um, yeah. It, it does. Yeah. It says upper body injury, so it's interesting that the team. Yep. Probably didn't want to specify concussion, but um, so next week we do have we do have a couple of items on this rapid fire, but uh, that we didn't get to. But on the other hand, next week's the All Star break. Um, we we should be able. It should be a light week, hopefully. Um, so we should cover all the other items that we didn't get to this yeah. week. Maybe a little bit of a trade deadline preview. Who knows? We yeah, got we might do that. Nothing better to talk about. Too, That's so. fair. Yeah, we might do that. Um, it'll be a, it'll be a surprise. Yeah. What what is cool though about this All Star break is uh, Justin Bieber is apparently involved, and um, <laughs> kind of cool that like you know someone of his stature just being a part of the NHL. Like, oh, all right, that's that's pretty cool. Right? Like you know, like say what you want about him as a person, but it's it's cool that like. He has a lot of fans, so that's only good for hockey. Um, if he can bring more exposure to that, where it's like I'm sure there's a lot of like 
people who are Justin Bieber fans and they're like, oh, he's going to be doing something for the NHL. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, um, I mean, so, look look at Taylor Swift yeah, and Taylor the Swift, NFL, right? <laughs> another example, yeah. Um, Tate McRae is another one who um, is also going to be involved, so that's cool. Um, yeah, so uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, if you haven't already, or wherever else you get your podcast. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in episode 398 of the Lace Em Up Podcast.